0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender ex and gender equals, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual, queer, pansexual, non-binary, gender fluid and straight. Welcome everybody, one and all, he, she, they, to Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast season three, kicking off with this special Pride Poetry Party. My name is Damien B. Donnelly and I'm the host and producer of this show and I am so honoured to be able to share this episode with 13 exceptional LGBTQ plus poets from around the world. We are celebrating everything here from the traumatic to the terrific. From the pieces of ourselves that we cannot throw out to the parts of ourselves that we kept in too long from teenage years spent hot and horny in suffocating closets licking the lines of unspoken homoerotic tensions in the pages of Tennessee Williams, to being kissed at clubs under Boronsky beats. This show today is a celebration of identity. Of the identity of each and every one of us. Of the tiny little things that make us all individuals, to all the rest that make us all equal, each and every person on this earth. We are not demanding a Pride Minute, Day, Week, Month, because we want to be different. We are asking for this time because we have, and some still are for too long, been held back by other people while we wait for them to decide on our freedom. This show today goes out to everyone who is looking for themselves and wants to see that self in the media, in the movies, in books, in schools, during the hardest times of our life when we are trying to understand who it is that we are. This show is for every LGBTQ youth in Hungary. We are with you. Now, let's get on with the show. I am going to kick off today's show with a poem about thanks. About giving thanks to the things that saved me at the late end of the 1990s. When at that time it was difficult to find a reflection of yourself in anything other than the mirror. And at that time the mirror was the one thing I didn't trust. Thankfully there was help out there. I just had to turn it on. This is called Tuning In. There are times I need to give thanks, from between the ages of 12 and 16, to the BBC Two and Channel Four. Midway through the still unforgivable 80s and into the early edge of the slowly enlightening 90s, for late night entertainment that didn't just entertain, but offered a lubrication into a world that didn't exist on my street. At number 19, Riverside, where I felt far from the side of anything moving in a direction other than drowning. There were times I need to give thanks to the BBC Two and Channel Four. For those times between 11.30pm and 2.30am. When the parents had gone to bed with all their opinions of who they wanted you to become based on the dreams they themselves never got to achieve. When you sought out the soundless spaces of descending steps To press record on a VHS at the far end of a movie no one else wanted to watch A shiny black tape in a rectangular plastic box that held all your secrets A cinematic love affair with a dreamland that dawned beyond the light of what they then considered acceptable Where you stepped out while in In Paisley pyjamas and pretended that shadows were playmates and Derek Jarman and Tennessee Williams were your best friends and saint-named poets who succumbed and beautiful bland laundrettes were suddenly so seductive. There are times I need to give thanks to the BBC Two and Channel Four who took me out of the rickety red room with its walls that came closing in as if individuality could be reduced to just one colour. When, beneath the snoring of everyone else, as if sleep was a sedative to cure the reality they wanted to switch off, I came out to admire the who it was I hadn't yet become in a pixelated connection across a community I didn't even know was available at the time. At that time, only gay boy in the world and not just the village. Up at 1.30 a.m. watching, panting, crying as boys who liked boys and girls who liked the curiosity of other women danced across the shadows of a smothering living room from the TV that held pushable buttons instead of remote control. In 1987 when I was 12 and already feeling the weight of what it meant to have been born in a box that was nothing like a square. There are times when I look back and I have to thank the BBC 2 and Channel 4 for keeping the dream of living alive. The next poem that I'm going to read is inspired by Suddenly Last Summer the Tennessee Williams play that I saw in the early 90s, the movie version of, with Catherine Hepburn, Elizabeth Taylor and Montgomery Clift. It was on the BBC2 very, very late one night. I saw this at a time when I myself was trying to learn how to swallow the word gay and how it was going to be a part of me no matter what. And yet here was this film, a play where there wasn't even the single utterance of the word Homosexual put on so late so that so few people would watch it or perhaps so few people would actually complain about it. There, at that time when I was trying to figure out who I was, suddenly, that summer, reality was a Venus flytrap and my identity was what she was trying to suck out of me as I wondered how a lobotomy actually worked and what it could cut away. This is called identifying parts of you in place after suddenly at last summer. Violet descending. Grieving light in the white shade of a jungle that strangled the dinosaurs. Venus. The fly trap for a summer's notebook of fine young cannibals. Along a coast of blazing sands where St. Sebastian dug down into sin and beak broke into the belly of all they had named as enchanted. The blue jays had departed to other places. Blonde shores after a season of too many browns. In the operating room, sugar is a dose of doctor caught between cause and the cost of being peaceful after the dry heat of all that horror of sliding desire back into the parts it cannot dissect and the drum not bright enough to silence. Rainbows were only reflections of light before they became pathways of pride. Suddenly, in the last summer of kindergarten, I and the closeted case in the examination room of teenager, turning Tennessee pages tentatively, dreaming of tasting how it would feel to catch fire for a moment, In a summer that didn't burn. On a faraway beach that stank of wolves' breaths and flesh-eating birds. A desire to be torn from the choke of all those venable pearls. Lonely is deeper than death. Alphabet blocks are only clutter in the darkness of a closet. A lobotomy is a cut cold to consideration. It's time now to introduce the first guest of Season 3 and this special Pride episode. And it's a poet who celebrated their birthday this week, so what a better way to get the party started than with this incredible Irish West Coast poet who has been flying the rainbow flag this month at Galway University, whose first collection came out with an owl tattoo and today is offering us battery-operated lions and lionesses, all from her latest Fly in the Wall published poetry collection, aptly and fantastically titled Odd as Fuck. This is the Birthday Girl herself, Anne Walsh Donnelly.
1: Hello everybody. My name is Anne Walsh Donnelly. I'm delighted to be here to read on Damien's Poetry Pride podcast. Happy Pride Month everybody. So I'm gonna read some poems from my new collection, which is called Odd as Fuck. First poem I'm gonna read is called The Wonder of You. In St. Stephen's Green Park Two women watch children Throw stale crusts to hungry ducks They listen to Dickie Rock Sing the wonder of you From an old man's transistor radio They stroke their newly styled beehive hair Sit side by side Feel a heat stronger than August sun They dare to lick each other's cone Weary of eyes that might stone dead Their intrinsically disordered love. And the next poem is called Venus. Was there ever a more heavenly time Than the day I found you Naked in a Botticelli print Perfect curves, thigh-length hair covering your core. From semen of the gonads of Cronus you stood on a giant scallop shell, ready to alight on a cypress beach. Baby goddess Aura blew your golden strands towards me, brushed my flushed cheeks. Your salt drops landed on the tip of my nose. Your peppermint and eucalyptus breath cleared my mucus. I lost you, standing in front of another Botticelli. You lay in a grove of myrtle, shrouded in a vintage white gown. I watched you watch Mars sleep as wasps hovered around his head and infant satires played with his lance. Then I returned home to Vulcan, his blacksmith hammer and forge heat. So the final poem I'm going to read is called My Lioness. When she was a cub, she was happy to play with my fingers. I felt her twitch at my first disco, when I gaped at all the boys and their little lines tucked inside skinny jeans. Clammy from dry ice, she got wet when one rubbed against her. When I fell in love, she opened wide, welcomed a lion, clenched him until he filled her with his milk. Before long, she was pushing out babies and lost her muscle tone. The gynaecologist stitched her up. Lion preferred the back door. She wasn't as wet as she used to be. He lost his mane. Wasn't as hard as he used to be. Now she plays with the lion powered with batteries and dreams of other lionesses. Thank you.
0: The next star of this Pride poetry party today is no stranger to eat the Storms, as he joined us last year for our first Pride celebration. And I am delighted to welcome him back again today. Joining us from Cardiff, he is the Best of the Net nominee, has been widely published in countless journals, and his debut poetry pamphlet, Spectrum of Flight, published by Animal Heart Press, was the devastatingly honest and brave account of growing up being bullied for simply being himself. So here, with that fist-shaped heart, is David Hanlon.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is David Hanlon, and I'm a Welsh poet living in Cardiff. My debut chapbook, Spectrum of Flight, was published in February 2020 by Animal Heart Press. I'd just like to say a big thank you to Damien for inviting me to feature on the podcast. Once again, it was an honour to be included last time, and I'm really excited to hear all the poets that will be in this episode. My debut chat book explores my experiences, experiences of growing up as a gay man and the bullying I received for this. Um, so for this Pride episode, I will read three poems that feature LGBT themes. Um, the first is called On Calling Ourselves Men. Finger joints curling back into themselves, tucking away vulnerability. Knuckles, bloodthirsty canines, jagged mountain tops, volcanic uppercuts we reach alpha heights. Thunder crack sharp thump, sledgehammer blunt thwack, heads. Faces, bust watermelons, split flesh, hot cooking oil, sizzle, spit, scarlet splatter. Stretched skin, valleys through the in-between, where the rest of the blood flows. Me, a swimmer, wading in those target red waters. Small hands, flat palmed, unfolded, fingers brittle burnt matchsticks arms rolled dough thin pushed under unable to muscle through bicep waves inadequacy the rope i couldn't climb in pe what if i hanging at the bottom suspended in the air two feet from the ground called them over tapped cushion soft or their bone-made cliff edges together? Would their fists open like warbling mouths, unfold into wingspread doves, delivering seahorses? Then would we all applaud and call ourselves men? Thank you very much. The second poem I will read is called after reading Gay Sex Will Be Punishable by Stoning to Death in Brunei. Over the corrosive-resistant kitchen sink, I grip-held an unwarranted cluster of ice cubes under a hot, running tap to curtail them so they'd fit in the cupped hand of my stubborn-stemmed wine glass. Plop. Crisp. Citrus sharp. Earthquake split, tumbled crush, overflow, lip scrape. How this didn't work, how cube shapes melt, strike fast, bodies scathed, unrecognisable. The block of it remained battered, chainsawed, smaller, smaller, slow persecution, stone heavy plummeting rain machine gun clobber, lashed, pick scalded, crystalline criminals, thump, bruise, demon ripped flesh, how it bore holes through arctic chunks, tore wide mouthed, cut, crack, fractured bones split open, sodomized heads. The mass turning limp skeleton in my hand, withered through feeling froze fingers. How by the end, just slip of water left, thin coated, slack outheld palm, sedate seep, ruby pooled scorch, flinch, final erasure, invalidation complete, hate stiff tap sustained artillery downpour, stainless steel enclosure, steam clouding, remorseless gun smoke. How I saw how easily a thing can destroy its own kind. Call it justice, keep firing. And the last poem I will read is called On Coming Out Again and Again. Sexuality, a prevailing headline. We, the media outlet. Until circumstance and spools revelation. Our weary knotted hazard pink tongues. Newly acquainted receivers become their own potential channel distributor. Privacy snatched twisted around society's spindle fingers. We shouldered bluntly aside, crocuses opening in winter. Gossip mouths, wind-up toys unwinding, slam shut code-locked staff room doors, scuff, squeak, feet in stampede hallways. I knew it, no way. I had my suspicions. I can't believe I didn't see it. Isn't this the drama, the attention we seek? If so, why do we slip back on each telling into the recesses of our blood-rushed bodies, the snare drum beat of our fist-shaped hearts, which are pumping, pumping, pumping. And those are the free poems. Thanks once again.
0: My next guest today is the bilingual creator and host of the Spoken Words and Open Mic Night Rec here in Dublin, featuring poetry, storytelling, rap, and music. She is the Irish Writers' Centre Ambassador and was DCU's Writer-in-Residence 2020 and was chosen for Poetry Ireland's Introduction Series in 2017. She is also a poet who's been making me smile so much this week as I listen to her recording. So now, please make sure you have some food in front of you because she is about to make you very, very hungry. Although you may not be able to figure out what exactly it is that you desire. Vulture over on Eat the storms. Kira Nie.
3: Dear hi everyone. My name is Kira Nie and I'm going to read some poems today. I'm really excited to be here um, for the start of season three of Eat the Storms and um, it's just great as well because it's pride month and I'm a queer poet and I get to read queer poems (laughs) so not all of them are specifically about that but one of them is very much about it so um, I'll just get started with that one I think first and this is called Sticky Toffee Pudding and Chips and in brackets it's called The Bisexuality Poem To answer the questions of monosexuals from both ends of the Kinsey spectrum, I've cooked up a metaphor. Think of sticky toffee pudding and chips, both delicious. Some people are into sticky toffee pudding, others chips. Since I was born, the whole world assumes that I only want chips. But sticky toffee pudding appealed to me from a young age, even though girls don't always feel that way. Chips are not hard to find I'd even say they're hard to avoid they're on every menu in every restaurant takeaway cafe and bar everywhere you go their chips are their presence is so pervasive that I go through phases where I vow to abstain to focus on the sticky toffee pudding campaign it's not easy logistically imagine you're me you walk into a restaurant hungry it'd be lovely if they had sticky toffee pudding but generally no dice. Then when the inevitable sides of steaming chips arrive, your eyes slide over, your hand reaches out, and just like that, you break your vow. So people see me eating chips and think that all I need is chips. But sticky toffee pudding calls to me, warm from the oven, soft and sweet. I do try. I go to restaurants that specialize in sticky toffee pudding and I'm handed the chip menu. It's fine, sticky toffee pudding fans have a stereotype and I don't always give off that vibe but when another woman there says something like whoa, look at the toffee sauce on that pudding I jigsaw into place believing that I'm among those who understand my tastes until later when she mentions how disgusting chips are. She would never eat one. She's a pudding eater with a gold star. Then, when I defend chips, other pudding eaters are suspicious. The way they look at me changes. They say, I am not one bit interested in chips. I'd rather die than let one pass my lips. I had chips once long ago, and I regret it since. Then I have to admit that I've had chips more than once, and I don't regret a single one. Well, maybe some, but I think we can all say that we've had late night chips we regretted the next day. I explain my tastes honestly, but people doubt them constantly. It seems that which taste of mine they don't believe depends on what they prefer to eat or claim to prefer. I see a lot of deceit in what people claim to like to eat. Some people claim to be purely of the chip persuasion But I've seen them tucking into pudding on more than one occasion. Some people only eat chips now, but have eaten pudding in the past, yet they deny it or keep it quiet. And yeah, labels are the pits, but it's partly because of people like them that no one believes that people like me exist. Finally, if someone enjoys sticky toffee pudding and chips, don't assume they want them both in one bowl mixed. As for you listening to this i hope you're eating what you actually want make it count and remember you're the only one who tastes what goes into your mouth so i actually wrote that poem a good a few years ago now um i think i have kind of more of an understanding of myself but i kind of would get frustrated that people would always assume i was straight or i was a bad lesbian um, and all that kind of uh, carry-on that you get if you are bisexual um, or pansexual or whatever term you, you use to describe it. Um, so um, that's my first poem for today and the next poem I'm going to read, I'm going to read the Irish language um, version first and then I'll read the English translation afterwards. And this is called, dreish damwol de Le ban wra atag mulam a chid shafiliach tag shole irisha teram lei gaskreven mingwel de koma fekam skamwel in a suwila agasis koma fu in a fragre korisha klushematorum gglei dar lei gowil mei os könle haid nis taini a ha in a farkela a love hashim avos is ligenwei gunduscht mar Denum lon wintas, agus quinniúm don chrá And the English translation is called the Party Line. I'm hobnobbing at a magazine launch, hitting it off with an intellectual glamazon who calls my performance sensational, and asks about my name. Yes, I also write in Irish. I explain. Confusion clouds her eyes, and even her carefully worded reply does not hide her opinion, that the language is below my station. Later, when her husband grunts hello and crams a sweaty palm in mine, I take him in, head to toe, and am reminded of how often love is blind. So I had to do a little bit of the El Gwielga. It's It's funny because um, I read a lot kind of bilingually. I run a spoken word night called REC, and it's a bilingual or a multilingual spoken word night. Um, but at that, I would primarily read my poems in Irish. And then for other events, um, especially now with COVID, I would be reading them in Irish, but there'd be optional subtitles in the po- in the two languages. And I do a lot of kind of writing a poem in Irish and having it in English and kind of working on them simultaneously so I do have two versions of the one poem in either language um, but as anyone who's had to translate poems is aware they don't really answer for each other and things can feel different in the two poems and um, though I do think um, I often regard them as the same poem in the two languages but then when I kind of look in at the finer details of the poems themselves they are kind of different <laughs> definitely. Um, And the last poem I'm going to read now is called Run and it's something that I wrote um, when I originally went freelance and kind of became aware of how work is always there, available. I remember I was sitting watching TV one night and it was that kind of time of night when the light has faded um, a good bit but my laptop was open and there was just this kind of half open on the couch um, in the same room as me. And as the light faded, it became more obvious to me that the screen of the laptop was glaring, that there was light coming from it. And it just became this kind of symbol for me that even though it gets dark at nighttime, we don't really ever have any freedom because our computers are always there, these kind of bright lights um, connected to the entire world. You can always do work um, and there's not really any escape. So it's a bit grim, but it's funny because I wrote it a few years ago, as I said, and then with COVID and everything, We've only kind of become more reliant on technology and our work, well, my working hours became worse, definitely. So here we go. Run. In bed, my head's a mess of tangled string. I close my eyes and see emails fly in. Phone hopping, messages received, devices set to silent, but inside I buzz and beep. I've a list of missed calls and unclicked links to follow from group chats with far too much action to swallow. Bookmarks of articles I'll never read. I no longer just think. I think up captions and tweets and everything's backed up. Never delete, never stop, never take stock, never breathe. It's dark outside but there's more to be done. Rat race won't be won, but still all of us must run. The whole wide world is always switched on. It's dark outside, but there's more to be done. Eyes drawn down, heads in the cloud, sound drowned out. We're all androids now. I can't leave the gaff without using Google Maps. I got an app to help me spend less time on apps. Hands twitch to cameras at the whiff of a like. Retweet, double tap. Check back all night. Swipe left, swipe left, swipe left, swipe right, match. But when they say hi, don't reply, just continue to swipe. It's dark outside, but there's more to be done. Rat race won't be won, but still all of us must run. The whole wide world is always switched on. It's dark outside, but there's more to be done. Washed out, I drop down before the TV to block out some hours and wipe my mind clean. But a moth to the light in my pocket, I unlock my screen And by reflex my hand checks work emails and then it's dark outside And an hour has gone, and I'm hunched in one position, elbow gone numb Hazy on why I even opened the phone A hungry laziness keeping me scrolling It's dark outside, but there's more to be done Rat race won't be won, but still all of us must run The whole wide world is always switched on it's dark outside, but there's more to be done. So that's it from me. Thanks for listening, and thanks a million to Damien for having me on the program. Slan
0: My next guest on the show today is another returning guest. The last time he was here, he brought us through the streets of Paris during our special Parisian episode in season two with Sue Burge, David Leo Seurat, and Mary Cummins. Today, he returns with exceptional beetroots that are clearly not apprentices and names that are definitely not Matthew. Originally from Cambridge, he is now a Belgian boy and the winner of the Poetry Business Book Pamphlet Competition in 2014 with his debut pamphlet, Those People, published by Smith and Doorstep. And Selfie with Water Lilies won the Paper Swan Press Pamphlet Competition in 2017. He has been published in countless journals online and is the co-curator of poetry in Albra. Please welcome back to Eat the Storm's Paul Stevenson.
4: Not Matthew I can only say that it's not Matthew It's somebody, someone or someone's Yes, there's a suitable individual in mind But more likely than not, it's not Matthew Nothing secret, nope, there's no secrecy involved But I am told it isn't Matthew Don't worry, all is well in hand, being taken care of But no, there's no Matthew I have it confirmed from a trusted source, you know who, that it won't be Matthew. It's not Alice or Sasha or Robert or Tim, but there's a name and it's not Matthew. He's off the list, not sure he was ever really on it. Matthew is not in the running. Said person is close to said someone, has it seems, had the approach. Matthew it isn't. It's all under wraps until we know more, so meanwhile, forget all about Matthew. You'll see in time. It'll be fine. Let's move on and please quash all thoughts of Matthew. Elephant Baritone of toenail Breeze-block mansion you insinuate knee your foot is salvaged like the mary rose dredged up with cranes by an international rescue team from the shallows of the solent how you frisbee sand waterfalls and possess the patent for left-handedness your ears are smudged as fat fingerprints on freshly putted windows. Your babies, geriatric marshmallows. Each step is Hiroshima. Your gate, an empty waiting room of blasé nonchalance that aspires to be indifference. If you happen to see me, you do a swat analysis On the worthwhileness of turning. Some shed on rollers, padlocked. Your ribs are metal-fatigued, cast-iron implements for digging. You're a big bigamist, doing bigamistic things, bigamistically in the mist. Yeah, whatever. The Apprentice Dear Lord Sugar, Alan if I may, I know how important beetroot has been to you, how you started out humbly boiling beetroot as a whippersnapper, lifting these really humongous beetroots into old tin bathtubs, then cooking them up for the beetroot man at market. You cut your teeth, so to speak, on beetroot. I've repeatedly seen the way you go bright purple as a beetroot when you have to fire people who wouldn't know a beetroot from a turnip. Like the backstabbing women in glossy beetroot lipstick and men in naff, off-the-peg clobber like spotty beetroot socks or ties. Cocky young apprentices not worthy of beetroot. We all still miss Margaret. I wonder if she'll find any beetroot referred to in the papyrus manuscripts she's studying. Beetroot probably wasn't eaten in ancient Egypt. Pharaohs and beetroot, I don't know. They wouldn't rule out the notion of beetroot having a hieroglyph, which they likely painted using beetroot. You ever suggested to the producers to incorporate beetroot into one of the tasks? Like having to market a new beetroot-scented perfume or scour wholesalers for some rare beetroot extract or travel to a muddy organic farm and dig up beetroot to flog to hobnob gaffs for extortionate borscht from beetroot. I bet there's still quite some mileage to be had from beetroot. Actually, I've drawn up this small business plan re-beetroot. My idea, and it will make you millions is to be true to beetroot by pioneering a car that runs on beetroot juice, bringing beetroot mobility to new audiences who only know beetroot as beetroot.
0: Next up today, we have a newcomer to eat the storms for this Pride poetry special. A brilliant poet, performer and teacher from Manchester who won the Northern Writers Award and has had her work appear in 404 Inc, Atrium, Ink Sweat and Tears, Lighthouse, Pop Shot, Quirlings, and Under the Radar. She was awarded an Arts Council DYCP grant in spring 2021 to work on exploring and owning her queerness in poetry and performance. I am delighted to welcome for the first time to the show, Elizabeth Gibson.
5: Hi, I'm Liz. I am a queer poet living in Manchester, I write about the city, about queerness and about the communities that have brought a lot of comfort to me, especially during the pandemic. Um, and I often write about nature as well as a metaphor and about folklore. So I really hope you enjoy my poems. So this is what I always wanted poetry to tell me. Hey, being gay is fine. It's actually quite lovely and warm. And here is this woman I have formed for. Here are descriptions of her that will make you cry with relief. See stars of desire. And oh God, the human body is wonderful. All hair and sweat. Round like a planet or slack as a river. It is life and history and poetry. And yours will be a miracle to someone, some day. And it is fine for it to change. Fine for your mind to change. And did I mention it is just gorgeous and brilliant being gay? It can be soft and careful, or it can be the ocean and fire, and you are welcome to read my accounts of it with hands between your thighs, nothing is dirty inside you, I swear. It is okay to search yourself to find an answer, find many. This is how I have got here intact, how I fought the pain, so please, stay. You have something to offer, I guarantee it. So, this poem I wrote about Celine Siamah, who is a queer female filmmaker who made the film Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which got a ten-minute standing ovation at Cannes, and that inspired this poem. It's called, it's called Celine at Cannes. I keep that one scene ready for when I need fire. You there in your dark blazer, white shirt and collar, Gold feminist pin, hand on chest. The row behind you are also elegantly dressed and as one they rise to revere you. It is an oil painting, faces in half light, red lips, hands blurred from singing out your praises, lost for words. You pivot, drink it in, the auditorium looking to you in this one, this 10 minute long take, this piece of art, the making of history your gaze. They th- you say you have nothing to say, that the film said it all. You hug, you grin, you wink, you flirt with the tears. Then you blink hard, lead a line of stars or women through the doors to take your place on the can steps, a supernova of rapture and respect blazing after you. This poem is called Beyond Words and I wrote it after the Manchester World AIDS Day vigil in 2019. In the cold, everything is quietly red, lights rigged up to bathe the gardens. The choir sings as if from another world, pop songs slowed, floating in the dark. The path is lined with tea lights and jars. As we set out into the village, the wind pulls and tugs at my tiny candle flame. I cup it in my glove, its own little dome of shelter. From a blue dot, it fans back, over and over, to a rich yellow feather. People gather silently in bar doorways, hands full of fire, for us. Then back we go, up the tea-lit path, where the choir calls, I am what I am. Our dark line is dotted with such bright, bright stars of courage. I feel a space in me filled with this love. The reef is a ribbon of roses laid down by the beacon of hope. I want to dance with somebody in the red, cold night air. I let myself cry now. I'm beyond words. So this last poem is Whale Baby, and it was me exploring different possible options for having a child as a queer person and also the option of not having a child and how that would be just as valid. So It's called whale baby. Maybe I will be brave and you will start growing in me and all I can picture of that is whale calf in a whale gut from an old picture book about babies. It's so surreal the thought of a great cage of ribs, a huge round head, thin hands, tail tools all pushing and denting my surface to finally, brutally break out on blood and water, to be. Maybe you would grow from a test tube or a glass dish, make the first few multiplications, bubbles into bubbles, until you are slid into me or her, whoever she may be. Then you go underwater, but with that first taste of air. You could come from either or both of us, frog baby, and you will learn one day how hard we fought for you. Maybe you will already be growing in the city street through a garden of lavender and in time you and I will meet. Child of my partner or from another timeline and place. In a moment our paths will cross and be forever changed and I will see you grow, bird child. So much have you known and seen that I haven't and I will listen and love. And maybe you will never be person or beast or being but quietly scattered and glowing in all my creations, my walks by the river, my poems and recipes for muffins. Maybe the planet would be my baby, and I could rock it as best I can, rock any lovers and friends, rock myself, love all the cycles and quirks of my body still growing. Thanks, so that's me, Elizabeth Gibson and i hope you enjoyed my poetry and it's really good to be part of this podcast
0: my next guest is an irish poet who's the author of the chat book circumference from finishing line press and carcass from seven Kitchens press His first full collection, Nightlight, will be published in 2022 by Salmon Poetry. His work has been featured in the Irish Times, Poetry Ireland Review, Banshee, Boyne Berry, Skylight 47, The Honest Ulsterman, and many more journals. He was highly commended in the 2019 Patrick Kavanagh Awards and in 2020 was shortlisted for the Kurt New Writers' Prize. He was also selected for Poetry Ireland's introduction series. He is the founding editor of Impossible Archetype, an international journal of LGBTQ plus poetry, now in its fifth year. I am absolutely delighted to welcome to Into the Storms, Mark Ward.
6: Hi, my name is Mark Ward and I'm delighted to be on Eat the Storms. Of these poems I'm going to read, most are from a series that I'm writing called Masters, which are a sequence of poems responding to queer painters' paintings. The first of which is Jasper Johns's White Flag. I took the reams of paper I would write these poems on and boiled them of their blankness. I filled the bath stripped and stuck a foot in, it came out dirty white, I poured in bleach, I stepped in and imagined billowing from a flagpole, my surrender set against the sky, the wind dissolving fabric, giving way to your silence. The next poem is after uh, painter Bernard Perlin's The Farewell, it's a beautiful russet coloured painting of a wood on the far left there is a man and woman leaving in one direction on the far right there is a man leaving in another and it very directly inspired this poem so he pulled you away as if he could erase that I told you how he fucked me as you pregnant appraised the house downstairs it was exciting how he hit on me so brazenly, as if the world bent round his every wish. When I tried to kiss him, he pinned me to the wall, choking me out, saying that I knew his wife was waiting. When you tracked me down, I braced for a scene that never came. You suggested coffee. We took it to the park, and as you talked, the contours of your life becoming clear, we walked, I realised, back to the wood, where his body was engulfed in autumn leaves. This next poem is the only one that is not named after the painting or piece of art because this is untitled and it's a Keith Haring illustration um, of Sumi ink on paper and the poem is called Sky Burial. A chattering of chow, A thousand oblique signatures inked across the page, all your words that I tuned out and can no longer salvage as lines clogging the sheet. A placeholder for your absent body, open to the air. Crows wade through the clouds in your chest. There's a very famous uh, Francis Bacon painting called Two Figures. And this next poem is Three Studies of Two Figures. Um, and I've tried to emulate his style of painting in the style of poetry. Three Studies of Two Figures. One. Wrestle. A laugh and bony fingers, breath on the neck, <laughs> falling. Trapped. When his hand first reached his fingers, peeling Venus fly. Trapped. Comedy is subjective. He's reduced us to a squirm. Two. Transit. An intermediate. The walls, irrelevance. The grapple, blinkers. Roly-poly, puddin'. He calls me in. The jumble of limbs, we are in the voiding black hole. There is only skin touching in great leaps of basket rolling downhill, ready, willing to be dashed. Three pressure, your eyes staring, holding. You won't try to explain away this grease, the dirt, your voice stowed overhead, the ceiling, something not your fucking eyes so late and this time cannot watch the sheets absorb the dirt my body floating i hear your voice i try to speak and you this next poem is um after irish queer painter patrick hennessy's roses in a bedroom You brought them home the day after we moved. Salmon coloured buds crowded by canvas white petals. Some greenery peeking between. I changed their water each day expecting a week, maybe two. I'd find the petals in our bed waiting for our limbs to make a washing machine of the sheets. I blushed with love imagining you scattering them. They stuck to our skin. A month and they were still vibrant, growing, it seemed, a trail of petals now inching towards the bed. We didn't question the mess, we didn't notice. Mornings full of their smell until I could taste nothing else, filling my throat, my lungs, but by then it was too late. The last poem in this uh, ekphrastic set, there's one more to come, is after Keith Vaughan's village Um, Which is an abstract painting of blues and greens and lines and crosses. Village. All because six families decided to veer off a main road and name that space they built their families in, brick by brick. I know each of them too well, so I squint. It makes life more interesting. They think I have problems that aren't them, that I'm thick, I'd rather just see colour than a face, a wash of blue easily alighted. Splinters of wood invade my sight, dotted around the village like scarecrows, I cannot read the names on each cross. I rush home to check everyone's all right, my empty house refuses to disclose. My eyes won't recognise what must be lost. This last poem isn't part of that series, um, but it is my queer Dublin poem, and I wanted to include it. Um, it's based on a statistic that I stumbled across, which I've actually slightly accidentally changed in this. Uh, I mentioned that it was 74 75 people. I think it was slightly more, slightly less. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. The statistic is that there were 75 people in 1992 in Dublin who were diagnosed with HIV and that was the starting point for this. It's called 1992. Dublin is a small city and behind my eyelids I could see the 74 others who contracted it. The regulars slow faded, leaving behind a bar stool no one had the heart to take. We danced around the issue. Some burst through doors half mad, cephalitic. although we didn't know the words then, looking for their old bodies. The windows were sheet metal, harder to break, and I played the historian, removed from it, free to document our world. In under a year, we were made legal. Decades after our neighbours, this forced tolerance took ages to land. I wrote rough notes on coasters about the men I refused to be part of. I lusted over stunning non-starters, a conversation I could not have. The beautiful boys, untouchable, we all were. I wrote until closing time.
0: My next guest grew up in Scotland before moving to the United States, but they are currently en route back to England and I am delighted about that as we will be in much closer proximity to each other. Their debut chapbook in 2017 was called Breakfast for Birds, published by Finishing Line Press, and last year Animal Heart Press printed their exceptional debut full collection We Know Each Other by Our Wounds*, looking at identity in the postmodern world. They are no stranger to eat the storms, and I am thrilled to welcome them back for this Pride Poetry Party. This is poet and teacher, Jude Marr.
7: Hello, Damie. Hello, everyone. Happy Pride. Thank you for asking me to be a part of this particular podcast. I'm going to read three poems, all quite short, which I think have some relevance to our theme for today. Uh, The first one, is called Tattered Labels. I'm non-binary, which is both a label and a denial of labels. And I guess that this poem reflects uh, some of that struggle to be rid and yet to acknowledge who I am. Tattered Labels. I stand at an intersection, spinning in place. I am stuck in spin cycle, not droning, not drilling down. I'm attracting a crowd. Did I mention that I'm naked? But this is not another naked dream poem. I am shedding his-her stories. I am bare. I am thread. My ribbon skin, untwisting, becomes a tangled mess. Bones clatter. Articulated arms dance. Flies buzz my spinning head. My fluids are centrifugal. The crowd steps back, repelled. Spectres cross my intersection. I am north, not south, I say. I am east, not west. Still, my sinews mimic tattered labels. I am bloodless, unsexed, ghost mist hides all my topographies, I am unmade, I am they, and not yet dead. This next poem is called Toward Delusions of Flight and reflects a time in my life, at least, when I had not yet considered the possibility that binaries weren't real, but in fact they are social constructs. Toward Delusions of Flight Before flight, birds first exhaust all other possibilities. Flightless, I preen my draggled feathers. Our father's ease means we may fly, I say. Some day, groan, I know better. I am not bird. Mother sun, father moon, I am pinioned, not winged. My feather roots grow through rock. My shadow, when cast, can only stretch toward cliff's edge. One day, I wake into rootlessness. I know rocky roads, I watch my shadow cast into the shape of a bird. At sundown, I pluck breast feathers, blue-green iridescent, each bloodied quill a loaded pen. And finally, this third poem, Pluviophile, or The Rain Lover. I belong to rain that falls like scrim when earth's a stage and skies a lighting rig. I belong to rain that hides my leaky eyes when I decide, or not, to be unmasked. I belong to rain that makes glass visible, rain erasing lines until I'm smoke and rise particulate, shape taking wing, until I am bird a murmuration, and my oiled feathers, rainbow." Thank you again. I'm so glad to be here with you all. In fact, I'm about to leave the United States, where I have lived for the last 10 years, and return to the UK. So perhaps we will all get to meet in person one of these days.
0: It is an absolute honour to welcome back my next guest to Eat the Storms, who was previously on the show in Season 2. He is the award-winning queer Manx poet whose debut chapbook was called Throat Bone and was published by On Press in 2020. And also that year, his sensational collection Queerfella was a winner of the Royalto Open Pamphlet Competition. A collection which he himself describes as a journey from shame to unshamed. It is an honour to welcome back to Eat the Storms, Simon Madrill.
8: Damien, thank you so much for inviting me to Eat the Storms Pride Special. I wanted to share a couple of poems from a commission of Brighton Festival that I did with um, the amazing Neil Bartlett. It was inspired by um, Francois Couperon's Lessons de Ternabra, which is Lessons in Darkness. And this first poem is um, Hello, Darkness. Hello, darkness, my old silence. The earth spins towards you. Nature's intent for renewal, for growth. You are where a plant holds its roots. Where a bulb absorbs the weep of a cloud. And in soil's hands sprouts into another self. A flower, a fruit, a thistle. Leaves that fall back into your absence. But the dawn does not end the bleakness that you are. My old silence. The longest tomorrow descends into sunset, the edge where light and dark ends in a flash of green, a colour not lost when the moon is black made bright. The pupa waits patiently for a butterfly's wings to flap, just as my fetus curled in a dearth of flight. Our bodies carry on growing at night as trees suck light's breath from space. Hello, darkness. It is my cracks that let you in to cull the ghosts of former selves. Their shadows hover behind that vision of what could be. My old silence. That moment a flame flows from its black spill, a memory in each flicker, a music lifts from its glow, the smell of things to happen. And what if I let you speak? So the Lesson is based on the Tenebrae service, um, which um, takes place from Ash Wednesday, and it's um, basically um, based on the Lamentations of Jeremiah, which was um, talking of the destruction of Jerusalem um, around about 600 BC. And we were encouraged to write something similar, and it's uh, it's, a, it's actually a, a 14 stanza um poem in three parts at the end of each part there is a um a lamenting uh yeah verse or chorus i don't know if you want to call it but um and i decided to to visit something which is very appropriate for um for pride but it is um the lament is slowly over a, a period of time candles go out and the end of the um the lament is complete darkness and this is lament for doomed youth i was in this city and i saw it didn't love queer hatred cruised the streets gutters washed away its secrets, drains overflowed with guilt, and shame was the thing that no youth could name. I saw a boy holding sweet peas and smiles, the tender petals of childhood drop, a father preached his preference for a thief over a queer for a son whose youth was damned before it began judgment delved down the boy's throat grabbing that apple with one bite gone the boy blamed a belly of snakes, and faced a wall nailed with a wreath he wept inside like a broken fridge the boy was alone in a city of amber lights no prayers or holy glimmers could hold a flaming candle to his sad eyes demented choirs sung words they did not understand boyhood wailed into a void Playground screams echoed a monstrous truth that the boy knew was his. With no mother at home, he spoke instead to the wall beside his bed. He scratched a hole in hope to escape those wet sheets and all their stink. Oh, silence silence my fear oh fear submit to the darkness oh darkness release my breath i saw this boy in the city where he learned to fight for others but hide from himself each glimpse of darkness begging for a cure The boy couldn't sleep, nor could he rise from crusted sheets and hidden depths. He visited the city where he was born. Still the laws declared his joy a shame, a state of disgrace. A death row convict, desperate to hang himself, to swing with sorry scrawled on the soles of his shoes. In an eastern city, his brother's death was a drawing down of blinds, a loss so mourned that it saved his life. I saw the boy couldn't leave his parents that burden of another child's body to burn, to bury. The boy left for the rainy city where the police chief stalked dank canals and alleys. A dark blue spectre watching his every skip. God's copper dreamt of thrashing queers until their wheels begged for mercy and salt. Oh, silent. Silence my fear. O oh fear, submit to the darkness. O oh darkness, release my breath. Then gravestones tumbled, black and white. God's reminder this cesspit was a bed he wet himself. A grey monolith says that ignorance equals fear. The boy's deep terror howls. Silence equals death. In the shadows, our hope bugles. Action equals life. One by one. Each city became a ghost, snuffing out a generation of lost uncles, brothers and lovers. The boy wished he had, never had, or ever would. What bells toll for these who die as rabbits, stacked in numbered boxes of those unknown The leader spoke to her nation and revoked a gay boy's inalienable right to breathe, along with all those queer children cheated of a sound start in life. Yes, cheated by mockeries, pretend families that tripped over their dead kids. He roamed a city with big lights on streets where the only place left to look was dark, a deep dark that did not end with the dawn, a black dark that could not be reached by sun or moon. He lost his sense of the edge between love and touch. He set out from that city to a salt sea coast. Wrapped in a darkness, he learned to kill ghosts. But it was from this gravel-blind beach that he saw his darkest fate. A place from where he could not rise and the sand blew to dust. Oh, silence, silence my fear. Oh, fear, submit to the darkness. Oh, darkness, release my breath. Oh, breath, breathe in my peace. Thank you very much.
0: Well, now I'm delighted to welcome my next guest onto the show for the first time because one, it's always a delight to welcome new guests, and two, because I got to read with her coincidentally earlier this week when we were celebrating the launch of Lynn Valentine's debut pamphlet, A Glimmer of Stars. So congratulations, Lynn. This guest joining us from Edinburgh is the author of two poetry collections, Sweet Anesthetist and Wristwatch, which were both published by Cinnamon Press. Wristwatch was the Scottish Poetry Book of the Year 2018 at the Solterre Society Literary Awards. She writes about living with cancer, resilience, grief, family secrets, and LGBTQ plus lives. Widely published, her poems have appeared in the 2019 anthology, We Were Always Here, a queer words anthology, and in the latest Blood Axe poetry anthology, Staying Human. I am so excited to give you the wonderful poetry of Jay Whitaker.
9: Hello, I'm Jay Whitaker. It's a real delight to be joining the Eat the Storms podcast, particularly for this Pride edition. I've chosen four poems which seem to fit the Pride theme. They pick up on aspects of my life during the 50 years or so I've been on the planet. It's been quite a half century in the UK for LGBTQ plus people. And these poems reflect that. I hope you enjoy them. I've lived in Edinburgh since the mid-90s, and I'm starting with a poem I wrote shortly after the marriage law changed in Scotland in 2014. It's about the wedding of my friends Rob and Nigel, and it's very much an Edinburgh poem. If you know Edinburgh's Old Town, this is set in the cobbled square between the city chambers and St Giles's Kirk, where wedding parties gather before and after civil weddings, and tourists enjoy the spectacle of kilts and big dresses. Being Edinburgh, the whole scene is overlooked by a statue of the philosopher Hume looking a wee bit portly in a toga. You are invited to the wedding of Rob and Nigel. Outside the city chambers, summer rain dries on old town cobbles. Tourists clam around our hattinators heels, looking for a bride who never appears. Instead, indulgent looks, double takes, two young men ask to hug the grooms. From the High Court, Hume, one moob showing, looks on. St Giles is still amid the ebb. We are a piece of history here, following rainbow and saltire flags to the reception. Today, the sun has broken through, every summer morning different. Next, I'm going to read a poem about my own coming out. I spent my teenage years in Nottingham during the 80s, a time when the country was divided by the mine strike and the emergence of AIDS and rampantly homophobic media reporting. These were the days before the internet or easy access to queer positive books or magazines. The books I needed to read weren't in Waterstones or even in the city library. A friend introduced me to Nottingham's then radical bookshop, Mushroom, which became a real lifeline for me. So this is a love letter to radical bookshops of the day, as well as a poem about my 17-year-old self. Radical. Where do you go when dictionaries fail, omit you, at best, pathologise, smear you? Kick open the rain-swollen door to mushroom bookshop. The bell's ding announces you, thank God for steamed-up windows. Inside a friendly fug tinged with tube rose incense. On every spare patch of wall, flyers and posters curl their corners. Demos, solidarity with the miners, Nicaragua, buses to Greenham, meetings you never brave. Skirt past Marxist theory, environmental issues, past black studies and animal rights to the gender studies shelf where lesbians and gays bleed into each other. These are the days when B and T and plus have yet to fight their way out and Q is still a dirty word. To stand here and read. The act of standing, the act of reading, declaring who and what you are, seeking community, seeking common cause. It's time to break from your cul-de-sac, overcooked meat and two veg, education to keep you in your place, hate blaring from TV and radio. They can't mean you. You're coming to see the means of definition are owned by others. You were born into occupied territory. Insurrections needed. You haven't found the word for that yet, either. Go to the margins. Keep flicking pages. Eventually, you'll crack open. My next poem remembers how it felt to wake up to a radio alarm clock playing the news during debates about the introduction of Section 28 and later its repeal. It was horrible hearing my fundamental human rights being debated as I woke up and I don't think I was alone in feeling extremely anxious and angry during this period. I'm reading this poem in solidarity with trans people who are still exposed to this and thinking of the news this month from Hungary where the promotion of positive information for and about LGBTQ plus teens was banned this month. We must never be complacent. Alarm. Waking. I recognise. Tinny through a bedside speaker. Voices I quelled. Voices I put aside. Fruity establishment tones. Worried workaday voices. Condemning us. Debating us. As though we are abstract not cowering in our beds. The last poem I'm going to read is about a hideous sideboard I lived with for over 20 years. I'm not talking about a stylish piece of mid-century modern. This was ugly utility furniture from immediately after World War II and it belonged to my late partner who inherited it from her parents. It took me a while to be able to let it go utility piece. It's time to rehome you, hippopotamus. Squat in the corner, scuffed veneer, the colour of the 80 a day you absorbed for decades. I never liked you. I can say that now. You came when I married the youngest daughter. No one else had room for you, so we took you home, fed you a terrible diet, crammed you with board games, a tangle of connectors, adapters, chargers, you belch booze reek when I open your doors. And now I'm widowed, I wonder why I tend you, oxpecker busy. You were part of her childhood, not mine, yet you've outstayed flat pack and two sofas. Oh, hippopotamus, handles chipped, bulbous gnarly legs too heavy to lift. Do you remember, after her funeral, in our home for the first time, her brother said, outraged, How did you get that? And I, the unhappy inheritor, retold our story. That's all from me. A huge thank you to Damien for inviting me and to all of you listening. You can find out more about me and my writing on Twitter and Instagram and at my website where there are links to buy my poetry collections, information about readings and events. And if you want to stay in touch, please do sign up for my newsletter. An illustrated guide to the ruins. All the links are on the Eat the Storms website. Stay safe and happy Pride.
0: Next up, we have another newbie to the podcast, a poet and maker of artist's books based in rural South Wales. His poems have appeared in Butcher's Dog, Found Poetry Review, HIV Here and Now, Impossible Archetype, Lighthouse Journal and many more print and online magazines. He is the author of the pamphlet In Retail published by Rackney Press 2019, which will be followed in August of this year, also from Arachne Press, with his first full poetry collection, A Voice Coming From Then. Today, he is here on the show to remind us of what it was like to go out and party to the beat of Boronski. This is Jeremy Dixon.
10: Hello, my name is Jeremy Dixon, and I'm a queer poet and maker of artist books based in South Wales. I'm delighted to be reading on the Eat the Storms podcast, and I want to thank Damien for inviting me to take part. I'm going to be reading poems from my first full collection, A Voice. Coming From Then, which will be published by Arachne Press in August 2021. The book expands from my teenage suicide attempt to encompass themes of bullying, queerphobia, acceptance and support. For the Eat the Storms podcast, I'm going to share some of the more upbeat poems that concentrate on dancing and music and parties. Remember them. We start on a Friday night at North Staffordshire Polytechnic in the early 1980s. Student Union Disco. He would leap up to Windmill to Blue Monday, do thigh slaps in time only to realise too late it was actually love reaction by divine. The same slow build-up, that snare so similar it was hard to tell. A homage, you could call it, being generous. So he stops in his tracks, hesitant for the dance. Like bumping into each other after closing on College Road. Invited in for tea and toast. just sitting there, staring at his Lloyd Cole quiff, unsure of what music was playing. Here's a poem about one of my favourite bands. And just a reminder that in 1984, the age of consent for gay men in the UK was 21 years old. Ode to Bronsky Beat in an Elevator for Larry Steinbachek. We are all crushed together, rising through television centre. Me, 20 and dumb, them top of the pops. I want to confess I've kissed a man too. New Year's Eve, four days ago. Although all we did was share a bed, he said I wasn't legal yet. But I'm petrified, someone can tell. I won't return their gaze. Running. Crying. I am taunting myself, making silent promises I will not be able to keep. Praying the next floor is where they'll get off. And when the doors ping, I finally look up, watch them strut the fluorescent corridors, mouthing to each other that word I cannot say. Running. Crying. The next two poems feature Spring-Heeled Jack, a Victorian urban legend first cited in 1837. He has a demonic appearance with clawed hands, fiery eyes, and the ability to leap great distances and heights. In these poems, he also represents that subconscious part of me desperate to survive, whether I want to or not. Night clubbing with Spring-Heeled Jack. Here I am on the wrong side of a velvet rope. Push past, purrs Spring-Heeled Jack. Here at the bar are new people to know. Be a bitch, grins Spring-Heeled Jack here am i too cool to dance quite right nods spring heel jack here is the man who let you in free more drinks shrinks spring heel jack and here is a man who smiles drink more roars spring heel jack and i slap the base of the man's pint and oops smirks spring heel jack and we howl as beer splatters his face and leg it yells spring heel jack here is what leaps beneath my skin here is how we terrify And this is my last poem I'm going to read, set at a millennium party. 1999 with spring healed Jack. We have always been wary of this impossible date, when it seemed such an unthinkable age to reach. So we distract ourselves And to make disco buddies with lesbians from Bristol in matching tuxedos, trading barbs with drag queens, embarrassing shirtless waiters dropping glitter into the dips, watching bespoke fireworks over Sapphire gardens, air heavy with bonfires and beacons, tripping on the balcony, grazing our wrist, then knowing. There's no need to join the men upstairs anymore. We don't want to fit in or impress. That the answer to our fears as the chimes begin is to dance to Prince this one last night when it still makes sense. And babes, I'm getting ready to roar.
7: Next
0: up today we have one of the brightest lights on the poetry scene ever since she launched her debut pamphlet published by the Hedgehog Poetry Press almost a year ago called Seasons. She may be young but wisdom rests on this rising star's shoulders and she astounds me every time I hear her talk about herself, her experiences and her poetry. In her gap year, she has created a fantastic new journal highlighting LGBTQ plus writers. And here she is today to tell you more about this fantastic journal. This is the never seasonal and always vibrant Katie Proctor.
11: Hi everyone, my name is Katie Proctor. I am a non-binary lesbian and poet, and I'm so excited to be back on Damien's wonderful podcast, Eat the Storms for Pride Month 2021. Today I'm going to be reading you a poem called Snow Globe from my upcoming sophomore poetry collection, A Desire for Disaster. It'll hopefully be coming out towards the end of this year with Hedgehog Poetry and I'm super excited for all of you to read it. So I'm going to be giving you a little bit of a taste of that today. And I'd also like to talk to you a little bit about my creative writing online journal, Celestite Poetry, which I've created as a gap year project. I am the editor in chief of Celestite Poetry, which is an online journal of creative writing and nonfiction. Um, it's very new, but I'm really excited for what it's going to be doing in the future and what we've already started with it. We are publishing a weekly nonfiction column on the website called Celestite Column, which is a very wide kind of range of nonfiction from me and also contributors. We've had book reviews, film reviews, music reviews, personal essays and especially content for Pride Month, which I'm super excited about. Um, and also I am gonna be publishing quarterly issues over the next year of all forms of creative writing. Um, It's open to anyone, but I would really encourage um, any queer creators out there to submit their work to the upcoming submission periods in July. If you're interested there is much more information on our social media sites um, and our website. If you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Celestite Poetry you will be able to see all the information about what we're looking for but essentially just to give you a bit of a rundown, if you've created something um, whether that be a poem, a piece of prose, um, nonfiction for our column or even a song or a love letter or a shopping list, anything like that. If it's your best, we would really love you to submit it to us. As I said, it is open to anybody, but I'm really hoping to prioritize marginalized communities um, and uplift those voices in the publications that I'm gonna be making. So I'm super excited to be hearing from lots of different diverse creators over the next few months. And if you have something that you would like to submit to us, I would really, really encourage it. I am super, super excited for what this journal holds. Um, I think it's got a lot of potential and I really wanna create um, a space online where people feel comfortable in, sh- in sharing what they've created. I know it can be quite intimidating out there, especially as a queer creator in um, an industry that has typically been very elitist and dominated by straight white people. <laughs> um, so if you have something that you'd like to share, please do and I will give it the best home that I could possibly give. Um, as a queer creator myself, I, I understand the importance of um, creating that safe space for unapologetic stories told by um, LGBTQ plus individuals. So if that is you, come and speak to us. We have um, a whole submission period, a whole month in July, where we are accepting creative writing of all kinds. As I said, more information on our social media platforms and our website. But yeah, I would really, really encourage you to submit if you've got something. And I hope that this is an opportunity for you to share something that you might not have been as confident to before. So now I'm going to read you my poem called Snow Globe. As I said it is from my second poetry collection which if you have listened to my previous appearances on this podcast you will know that I published my first book Seasons last year which was a book about love and growing up and kind of first experiences and heartbreaks and all of that. Um, I'd like to think that A Desire for Disaster kind of continues those themes but in a little bit more of a mature um way I kind of I've said to the people who've read the manuscript already um and the incredible Maisie who's designing the cover for it um that I kind of see this as a big sister to Seasons in that it follows a lot of the same themes but in a different way and I think the style of my writing is a lot more up to date now um not that I don't love Seasons because I really am so proud of that book but um it's a lot more me currently where I'm at as a poet um so yeah I'm I'm super excited about this book and I think my queer identity, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but it's very integral to everything that I write, although I might not write on explicitly queer themes all the time, it's definitely something that I don't want to be erased, especially from my poems about relationships and romantic love, because that queer identity is really something that is so personal to those relationships. Um, So yeah, if you're a queer poet and you're looking for something fresh by a young creator like me, I'm 18 years old, and There's not many people like me in the industry, so um, if that's something you're interested in, follow me on my social media handles, um, which will be credited in this podcast. And yeah, that's all of the information that you need to know about my second book, um, which I'm really excited for, and I hope you are too. So I'm going to read you this poem called Snow Globe, which is one of my favourites from the collection. I'm super proud of it, and I hope you enjoy it. On the other side of the world where all the clocks are upside down. Somewhere you were sitting, and maybe you were thinking about me. I imagine that I have crossed your mind once or twice, the time that you looked in the mirror and traced the red marks on your neck with concealer, and maybe when you took the kitchen scissors to your hair, when you realised the dye from two summers ago finally grew out. I don't know if you miss me, and if I'm honest, I don't know if I miss you either. But I wonder if you ever think about that night in July, Pizza and blankets on the living room floor, when we didn't know it would be the last time we ever kissed each other goodbye. Tears could only turn to laughter and back again between those four walls when those planets were in orbit and the stars were spinning backwards. Sometimes when the sky is turning midnight blue and I can see Cassiopeia, I think about the drive home that day, when I held your hand like I would never let go, and I cried all the way back to my bedroom and i think about the moment i lost you and how just then you meant so little but you are always on my mind nowadays as though you were the most persistent of winter storms and i am living inside your snow globe Thank you very much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that poem. As I said, I think it's a good kind of little taste of what I'm hoping to put out with my book, um, A Desire for Disaster. I am so, so proud of it. I think it's really some of my best work. Um, It's super honest and raw and genuine. Um and a lot of explore- exploration of my experiences as a queer person so if you're interested I would really appreciate it if you could buy yourself a copy when it's out and thank you very much Damien for having me on your podcast again it was such a pleasure thank you
0: My next guest is joining Eid the Storms for the first time today and is celebrating the launch of their debut pamphlet, Springing from the Pews, which was just published by Broken Sleep Books. This is a pamphlet exploring an episode of sexual violence through a verse play interwoven with confessions and journal entries. They are a self-described cheeky queer poet and performer coming from Liverpool. They are also the co-founder of Queer Bodies Poetry Collective. Alicia Stubbersfield said of this debut pamphlet that these mature, accomplished poems, for all that they are troubled and troubling, remain triumphantly alive to the possibility of redemption and to the redemptive power of the art they represent. Listeners, prepare yourselves for the exceptional day matter.
12: I don't think I could bear the Irish sea at the backs of my knees. Reaching for the soft inside of my thigh. White froth forming a garter. Crease just under my butt cheek. Licked cool. At this point, shuddering. The sweetness of tremble. Forced out by the guttural shud steel gate of my body slammed shut pushed hard against and still she rises swarms the tender places as if with love as if in apology for absence and in my life I have never been so forgiving. Is this what the artist intended? When he stationed 100 iron models of himself at the mouth of the Mersey? Offered his likeness 100 times to the tide? 100 tall promises? To imagine? What love? Leans into the cold hand closing around its neck. What strength, sealed in sand, stands still while rust unfastens its face? What truth? While gale force, while gullshite, while everybody watches, drowns gently, surrenders, gestureless. Springing from the pews Crossed the road to a church He was 17 The organ sings I was 6 The stained glass homes. It happened in my bedroom Rain, riots on the concrete My fists bounce off the arched wooden door But it didn't hurt I wasn't forced Storming the walls, the hems of my corduroys Soppy, slapping my ankle I want the priest to read verse while I sob I should hate him My little lamb Pushing itself out to the candlelight But I don't hate him Its a white body Springing from the pews Kelanga Hape Road Chance. Starts outside with a T. I write. He has a little boy. Ten pages in my journal. Used to wear blistering six times. Commuters thought. <laughs> he has a little boy. Like coke bottles lobbed over the black pink rack railings is amazing. And he has a little boy. Downstream. My headphones tangle, my pen stutters out of ink mid He has a little boy Sentence the low sun throats Behind a cloud He is a hut. He has a little boy Finger
13: across
1: my chest
12: He has a little boy and a wife I made a fake Facebook account Just to look at them following cock into beach toilets at Point chevlier jasmine steaming on the fences cold knees on damp green tiles jaw locked in prayer at the glory hole but it wasn't cock i followed into my bedroom it was love but it wasn't love it was rape was it rape? outside Two blackbirds hop across blossom-scattered pavement Another knocks back a worm Tilts its head Amber eye of a gull White scythe of its bill Fat orange bin bags Horn apart spilling moon I didn't tell them that pleasing him like a nipple pressed against glass came rain naturally and half a tomato, gaping, that ripped open in the middle of the road. I felt special. We went downstairs straight after. And I called in a picture of a clown holding up a flower. And I gave it to him. The scar on my knuckle, an opal, comma, embossed, to remind me to pause before splitting the shower panel. White lines on the page of my wrist so that I might ponder longer consider otherwise the ploughed fields of my pale thighs These days I'm more careful with my body or maybe it has more to do with pleasure the two candles of my nipples glistening, untouched in the collapsed church where I pray to remember what it feels like to tip the glass jug of my face towards a truly wanting mouth. If there are any gods, they didn't put us here to talk. They put us here to touch. And if all we have is talk, then put my actual voice inside you. Tell God I would exist without my religious upbringing. I would exist without my parents as the thought of a person. I am the gesture of touch on a downturned face in some lightless window. Not the hand, but the flower behind it.
0: My next guest today is no stranger to the podcast as she has more than once been a guest on the show and is also no stranger to supporting the podcast and even no stranger to baking for the podcast with her wife while sitting back and listening to the show today i am delighted that she is coming back to share more poems from one of my favorite collections from last year magnifying glass published by black eyes publishing One of the poems she will read today is about a crush, which is perfect, because every time she is on the show, I crash into a crush for the wonderful Sue Finch.
13: Hello, Damien. I'm delighted to be sharing some of my poems as part of your special Pride episode for Eat the Storms, and some of these poems come from my debut collection, Magnifying Glass. My first poem is a childhood poem, and it recalls events that took place in my nan and grandad's house when I was little. I saw Jesus in a tomato. I was at my nan's, and there he was, rocking to steadiness in a halved tomato next to a rough cuboid of cheese. When I showed her, she nodded, murmured affirmation, but I wondered, did she really see him? Maybe her eyes were like mine are now. I ate him. He was a woody version of grass as I swallowed him hard, not wanting him to get stuck in my throat. No phones then to capture the moment, only a headline in my mind. When I returned home I told my mum what I had seen, but I think perhaps she thought I was lying or had conjured him from my imagination. Months later... I worried them all in the same room. Nan, Grandad, Mum, Brother. Quick, spit it out, get it out of her mouth, I heard, as the grown-ups stood in horror. They had watched me bite through the first glass I had ever been allowed to use there. All I knew was I had been staring at the crucifixes I could make from the patterns on the new wallpaper. My second poem features a Liverpudlian pigeon from my past. Mine and my partner's responses to it proving that we'd reached the end of the relationship. That pigeon. You scrunched the bag like a gleeful child. Don't, I warned, worried that even a small offering of crisps would activate every pigeon's radar. You pointed to the toeless foot. I shivered at the fleshy pink stump tinged with grey. Were you really showing empathy for a pigeon? Poor little pigeon. I laughed as it pecked gratefully. You were engrossed. Your eyes had not focused on me like that for months. The next poem is my crush poem and it stemmed from that wonderful feeling of being hypnotised by someone whilst in their company. Your pinks match from head to toe. It leaves me speechless, though you wear it so often, or at least every other Wednesday. I have to stare to check that the pink wooden hoops in your ears match the pink plastic belt round your middle, that the pink shoes... With pink heels, match the colour on your lips, match the stripes on your shirt. Then back to the lips that are forming words. You smile, I am caught. Your eyebrows raise encouragingly. And this next poem is a poem that encapsulates the use of the word darling and how it crops up in the world. Darling. A wide word, invented for those who can't remember the names of lovers. It echoes in hallways on the edge of bedtime as cars pull out of driveways, at supermarket tills. It can be delivered in moments of potential when sweat is made, or tea. Sometimes it parades in full red roses, bounces like summer breasts, pouts and flirts. Sometimes it simply offers a hug or says it's sorry. A wide word that slips out on a breath and pulls someone in. So thank you for having me, Damien. I will end today with a poem called I Kill You, which, believe it or not, is a love poem for my wife. We first met on the 26th of June, 19 years ago this year. I kill you on your way to your mum's in a car crash where you know nothing except there was a lorry on the slip road and you saw it I didn't give you time to hear me saying know where the short slip roads are notice the lorries early move into the other lane if you can but don't just trust your mirrors double check I let you die quietly in your sleep on a day when we have been to the coast and you have finished knitting that shawl I don't think too much about the heaviness of your body or who I am going to ring first. I kill you as a rehearsal for the day when I have to face your death.
0: We are now coming to the end of this episode, so I'm going to leave you with just two short poems. This first poem is called Learning to Climb Walls and it appears today in the Pride issue of The Adriatic Magazine. So congratulations to all involved in The Adriatic Magazine on this beautiful issue, which also features a poem from another guest on today's show, Paul Stevenson. Learning to Climb Walls. There can be earthquakes in little towns far from tectonic plates. On little streets where we sat once, with the summer burning through our coolness, trembling beneath attractions we didn't have the words to understand. A local boy and a sandy-haired student of exchange, and I wanted to exchange, to uncover all that was growing curious we sat once on a wall in the kiss of youth's sunlight in the stifling days of undulating innocence and the growing tension of every question and that temptation And I wanted nothing more than to touch that temptation unfolding between us. Two boys, beginning to join the colours that made blue. Beneath the weight of all that nothingness that never trembled longer than a month in the summer. When our legs occasionally touched, like tectonic plates, there can be earthquakes in little towns. And the final poem I'm leaving with you, inspired by a poetry prompt last week by Catherine Ann Cullen, the poet in residence at Poetry Ireland. This goes out to the LGBTQ plus community of Hungary. This is called to be able to identify ourselves in books. We are still, all of us, hungry. We are, all of us, today, Hungary, wanting to be able to open a book in the early days of trying to identify who it is we're en route to becoming and find a reflection of that self, smiling back at us from the inside pages we can easily open out. We are still All of us. Trying to teach the others how to spell pride. Gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender, ex and gender equals, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual, queer, pansexual, non-binary, gender fluid and straight. Thank you each and every one of you for tuning in to this special pride party here at Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast. My name is Damien B. Donnelly and it has been an honour to host this show today and a huge thank you to the exceptional stars who joined me. Anne Walsh Donnelly, Kieran Nier, David Hanlon, Sue Finch, Jay Whittaker, Katie Proctor, Elizabeth Gibson, Jeremy Dixon, Paul Stevenson, Jude Marr, Simon Madrill, Day Matter and Mark Ward. For details on all of my guests, please head on over to www.eaththestorms.com. Click on the podcast section and there you will find a listing for today's episode with links, bios, social media handles, photographs of all my stars. Please go over, find them, connect with them, support them. We can only be a community if we reach out and connect. We can only be a bigger, better and brighter humanity if we reach out and hold everybody's hand. We will be back again next week. So in the meantime, thank you to my guests for sharing their stories. Thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in to support. The battle is not over, but every single day brings us one day closer to the other side of the rainbow. Take care, be good, be safe and be well. And of course, as always, stay bloody poetic and proud.